Welcome to Sunday Night Novi. Sunday Night Novi is an ongoing presentation of the Weiss Entertainment Network, 613 on your dial. Tonight's Shia, prophetic vision in the 21st century, the message of Nevi'im Rishonim, the story of the Book of Shmuel. This series will focus on how the, the Nevi'im uh, sent us many messages for our time. This series is dedicated to Zechonishmas, Rabbi Yerachmiel ben Aaron Meir, and as well as Ruvain ben Mordechai. Um, also, on, on a public service announcement, um, two two major um, things. Uh, tomorrow night, uh, not on this network, but on a different network, um, we, we'll be a special Yorkside cheer. It is my mother-in-law's Yorkside tomorrow night. Uh, on Inyane Hanukkah, I will say, I will post all the information. Uh, those on the local network, uh, um, all, all the information is already posted, but I'll send it out again. Um, and uh, so anyone was interested in the share tomorrow night, 9 o'clock. Um, check your local listings, time and place in your area. So nine o'clock tomorrow night uh, on this uh, on along this network. Um, also, uh, the the next two Sundays, I think we're going to be off. One is Hanukkah, and one the following Sunday. Anyone who's not in Brooklyn and wants to, to to take a trip, it's worth it. We're going to have a very special speaker in our shul on Sunday night. Um, uh, Rifka Ravitz, who was the um, who was the the, the um, the director, oh, what's what was her title? She was the chief of staff. Chief of thank you, chief of staff for President Rivlin. She was famous because she was uh, she went and met with the Pope, and she met with the President, and and she wouldn't shake their hand, and they always they glorified her and they respected her. Then then the President heard he had two, she had twelve kids, and she and he was he was anyway. She's going to be speaking in our show on eight o'clock Sunday night, December seventeenth. Uh, so a- anyone who would like to come. Uh, uh, who who's not in the local uh, area? Uh, you're, you're certainly welcome to come. Okay, so uh, this motion you'll make a note. The next two weeks we're going to be off. Uh, I think a lot of people next Sunday night are probably not going to be available, and the following Sunday night we'll have a special program. Okay, let's get back to our story here. Okay, um, I mentioned um, I, I mentioned uh, last week that we're really coming to the end of David's life. Where I, I I I would say after all that we went through, um, we went through the uh, you know the rebellion of of Shalom. Uh, last week we spoke about this uh, this guy uh, Sheva ben Bichri. That was another uh, you know one of the uh, brilliant people in in Jewish history. Um, uh, how he thought he was going to pull off what he what he wanted to pull off is really very unclear to me. Um, this is amazing. It's amazing how how arrogance really sets in. Like 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 like, and I, I think I mentioned this last week. Like like you saw like you saw Avshalom was defeated. You saw that that despite Avshalom's popularity, there was a tremendous amount of people that rallied around David, and he was defeated. So, so this guy, Shevet Ben Bittri, thought he's going to be better. I, I don't understand. It's, it's amazing. It's amazing. And we saw the whole story and how, how it happened, and they gave him over, and and you know they really and there really was a uh, you know you know you know it's very it's very interesting because one of the things that uh, even Shaul uh, put it in this brought that that did not exist beforehand was somewhat unity in the land, somewhat peace in the land. That that you know that that that's the that that's the biggest um that's the biggest thing that that you know in there in these in these okay uh, in Charles time there wasn't so much peace he was fighting with the Plishtim. but um you know and David after he fought his wars there was peace in the land and we know Shlomo's period of time you know and and yet you had all these people who who like like of Shalom like Sheva and Mikhray who tried to undo the peace of the land like like what were they thinking like 
Like you went through 400 years of not of craziness, the period of the Shota, we spoke about it at great length, that, you know, that was unsettling period in, in Jewish history. And here you had people who were, who, who you know, who were willing to not only uh, offer to, to, to um, create a, a period of peace and tranquility in the land, but made it happen. And then yet, and despite all that, you had people who were trying to undo it. It's hard to understand that. I mean, I, I, you know, I guess you know, you know, we 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 meet all these people in Jewish history. You know, you know the you know the the peoples and the people in the world that tried to, you know, you know the the Jews that joined. That's kind of next week. This week is Hanukkah. The Jews that tried to join the Hellenist movement. You know the the. Um, you know the 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 Nicholas Donins and the Pablo Christianities who who you know were Jews by birth and who tried to debate Gedola Israel um, in in public forums. You know the um, you know debate of the Ramban at Barcelona in in twelve sixty three, like like that to me is one of the most unbelievable. You know especially you know and the story in twelve sixty three was that King James of Aragon, uh, you know gave the Ramban freedom to speak. So once he had that, like, 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 how, like, like, someone like that thought he's going to outsmart the Ramban. <laughs> that did not work out so well for him. Um, and uh, you know, the, the the story is the the reason why the Ramban came to Eretz Yisrael because he was thrown out of Spain because he so embarrassed the church that that there was a tremendous pressure. And then and then in the year twelve seventy, he came to Yerushalayim and there was no minion in Yerushalayim, and he he worked to bring Jews back to Yerushalayim. It's a, a, a Ramban is an amazing story. You know, he wrote his letter to to his uh, to his son Shema Bini Musaravicha. You know, that was written uh, from Merit Israel to his child. You know, uh, it, it, you know. So you have all. You know, it, it, our history is filled with these people who just didn't get it, <laughs> just missed the boat. On, I, I mean, to me, it's a lot of it is arrogance, but I don't understand. It, it's just not understand. But these are our stories. And they, and they keep and they keep happening again, you know, it, it, you know, um, the stories of, yeah, amazing, you know, you know, I was I was happy to see uh, two weeks ago the Satmarevi came out very very strongly against the Naturi Karta, like like like, what are the first of all I don't believe the Jewish that's my personal f- feeling uh, I I'm not afraid to say I do not believe in the Naturi Karta or Jewish people I think just because someone puts on a black coat and and, and looks like he has payers doesn't make him Jewish. Um, um, but 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 you know, I was happy to see that the Satma Rebbe said that this is crazy. That, like like you're standing and you're, you're standing and marching with murderers. Same. We have we have these people in Jewish history who just like missed the boat. And I think Gav Shalom was one of those people. I think for sure Sheva Ben Bichri was one of those people. It's amazing. Anyway, we're up to we're up to Parakov Hall. Uh, now, just a, a quick comment. Uh, the last couple of Sukkim uh, and, and Parakov talks about the government and and you know and i mentioned to you last week that that part of the success of david and later shlomo was was the recognition that he can't that you know they did not have the, what's called martyrdom complex you know martyrdom complex is, is is you know i I could do it all myself and, and and it's clear it's clear that they did not have that complex and then they realized that in order to be successful you have to have compartments and you have to have departments and you have to have people in charge and you have to have you have to have uh you know subcategories of subcategories of subcategories to be successful so um that's why in Sefer Malachim there's an entire parak literally an entire parak that describes all the officers in the time of Shlomo 
and it's mentioned that um, they mentioned it last week that that when the Queen of Sheba visited Shlomo, that was one of the things that would that she noted was was so impressive was how the government ran that 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 the that they put a, they put into place a government that was going to be successful that was going to deal with the needs of the people that was going to uh, you know supervise to make sure that which needed to happen happened and and, and that's why that's why the Novi tells us Novi is, te- is telling us how how to function like you have to have they like can't have one person in charge it doesn't work that way one person is in charge one person could be the supervisor but you have to have people who are working on there you know uh, Yisro was 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 really the paradigm of all all world history. Every every successful governmental system is really based on Yisro. People don't realize that, but 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 Yisro was the was the one who 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 had that great insight to when he said to Moshe, you know, you know why why you know you know that you saw that the people were standing. Says Minayoma, you know, like they were standing on him all day. And Yisro said, "Lo tova davarasha tosa." He says, "Is that good? This is crazy. First of all, you're going to burn out, and and then you're not going to be able to serve the people." And then he told him, "You got to have sarei alafim, sarei chamishim, sarei asaros." You know, and and if you think about it, every system of government is is based on Yisro. Knows we have the president, and we have, but we also have to have a governor. We have to, have, you know, there's a, there's a senate in Washington. There's also a senate or a whatever you want. Doesn't matter what it's called. In in Huh? Parliamentary monarchy, right, right, in 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 the country, right, right, parliament, right. Well, that's in England, yeah, uh, yeah. Well, that because there the king is just a symbol. But but I'm saying, even in places where the king was in charge, you see by Dovin and Shlomo that they 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 read they created a parliamentary system because they understood that that's how. But but that's all based on Yisroel. Yeah, you know, give credit to Yisroel who who pointed that out to Moshe that in order to be successful, you have to have a. Uh, uh, you know, a, a, a government with sub subdivisions and subcategories of people that are uh, that we're running. Okay, that's just uh, just uh, some insight into the last couple of psukim of Perakov. Okay, Perakov. Okay, little. Okay, so this will read the introduction here. So, um, anyway, I'm on. I'm you're in the article. It's page three forty six. It's Perakov Aleph. Um, anyway, the the first note on the Perak chapter twenty one. The last four chapters of the book recount several events during Davidic's re- D- D- uh, David's reign, many of which caused him considerable anguish. These events are not presented in chronological order. Rather, as will be noted in the course of the commentary, they are grouped according to the subjects they discuss. For example, this chapter begins with a long drought, since it follows the report that David's personal coin was, was Ira, which which Chacham interpreted to mean David gave his priestly gifts exclusively to Ira. The Chacham commented that the nation's prosperity is negatively affected by a failure to distribute priestly gifts fairly to more than one Kohen. If someone gives exclusively to only one, thus depriving others of their livelihood, it's fitting that he should be deprived of his own livelihood. So that's a very interesting, uh, heavy comment there. So it says... Um, Fine. So the so the Pasik says, Pasik Aleph says, Vahira'ah. So now there was a, a famine uh, in the land. Shalosh Shana. Shana Acharei Shana. The famine lasted three years, year after year. I mean, uh, I'm assuming that means that they had a, a limited 
um, amount of of um, rain. Rain. So so he, he says in the note that according to the Pirkei de Rav Lozer, it began after the Shoal's death. But Rashi comments that it took place approximately 30 years into the Davidic reign, right? Right, it says, so so, so unclear exactly when this took place. Although it's hard to understand, um, it's hard to understand that, that, that this took place at the time of the death of Shoal. Makes more sense to... Even though, even though, even though I just read to you that we're not necessarily following chronological order, but 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 it's hard to understand that this happened earlier. This had to have happened later in um, in David's reign. So it says three years by Vakesh David as Pnei Hashem. Ah, so it says David. Um, it says that David inquired of Hashem. Right, Yomer Hashem El Shaul. Um, and Hashem said it is for Shaul and for the house of blood and because they killed the Givonim Givonim so that goes back to uh, to Yoshua so there's a lot of information here now so, so the Mesudat David says Shaul Urim. David went to the Kohen Gadol and went to the Urim Betumim and he said to him, what's going on? So, El Shaul, so the Pasuk says, Amru Rabu Seinu Zal, Al Havona Naseh B'Shaul, Shalom Nispeh L'fik Kavodo, Shemaru L'Kovro B'Hechavei. So he says that, 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 that Shaul, despite his show, was a great righteous man, and, and he was not mourned sufficiently, and they didn't give him proper Hespeda. Although, although that's a very hard shot, because we because we learned at the beginning of the Sefer that David wrote a kina about Shaul and Yonatan, so so it could be that that means it could be that that means um, that the people did, didn't uh, um, didn't um, uh, give a proper aspect. Um, the Navi tells us in Sefer Shoftim that that it says it says when Yoshua died, it says that as long as as long as the people. Um, of the time of Yeshua were alive, B'nai Israel stayed on the straight path. Now, uh, um, the, the Gemara points out that it says that the, 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 the Zakadim only lived Yomim after Shaul. It doesn't say Shonim. So it says that they died uh, rather quickly after Yeshua's time. Why was that? Because because, because it says that they didn't, they weren't Masbid Yeshua Karoi. So so it's very interesting. And I, I, I think I quoted at the time the Shulchan Aruch. Shulchan Aruch says that there's a mitzvah to, to be Masbid um, and Adam Kosher Karoi. That there's an obligation on on, on people um, to to say proper Hesped and proper eulogies when people die. So Machlokas in the Gemara, Masech Shabbos, is a Hesped Kavoda Dechayim or Kavoda Demes. Is it, is it to honor the, the the mourners, the those that are alive, or is it to honor those that the one who would die? So so maybe it's it maybe it could be that it it's it's something in between. But but it's a big it's a big thing that it, if a person if a person does not mourn, uh, does not get not maspit a person appropriately. So that that's that's what he says. It says that Allah Abu Nanasa Bishal Shalonis Padlafi Kavodo Right, they 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 ran and they um um and they um and they buried him. 
Then it says Beis Adamim. Amashahayu Beis Shaul Beis Adamim. Kidam Shafah Velo Michu Bo Yisrael. The second thing was that that um that the house of Shaul was a bloody house, right? We know uh, that they killed the Givonim. The Givonim was really Yoshua. Uh, uh, no, no, I'm sorry. Later. The Givonim of Yoshua. It says that when they killed the Kohanim of Nov, they also killed the Givonim. Because they were the, the tree choppers and the drawers of water for the, the Mishkan, whatever he said. Um, and it says that they they weren't allowed to um it says they should have protested killing of um of um of the Givonim, but not necessarily Air Kohanim. Although Rashi says clearly that 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 the famine came as a result, uh, I'll know um so anyway, uh, if, if you're in the article, you see the lengthy, lengthy radak that's that's trying to make sense of exactly what's going on here. So, so let, let's let, let's try to understand it a little bit. Yesh lishol says the radak. So why is it? It says that there was a famine for three years, but yet Navi says that David did not make any inquiry to Hashem. For three years. So Perish Rabbeinu Sadya Gonzal, Shana Rishona, Chasha Mikrahu Kiderachod. He says that the first year he thought, eh, it happens. You know, uh, sometimes it doesn't rain, uh, we get we get we get these famines. Shniya, Chasha Kibabon Pesel Michahu, Ubiyer Komashimatsa. It says that the second year he thought of course of the sin of Pesel Micha, which is back in Sefer Shoftim. Again, hard to understand that. This is all very complicated to understand. Because how could it have been about Pesel Micha? Like what 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 did that have to do with with, with David's time? So it's very hard to understand this. So Sadi Gon says. He says he wrote it off on the first two years. The first two years, he says it mu- it's obviously connected to something that happened in the past. But but when the third year came and it still didn't rain properly, so um, then he realized it's it's a deeper than that. V'yesh lisho, ana harag shaul asagivonim v'nashiv ki b'hakoso no ber kayusham hagivonim imahem chot ve'etzim v'shoyiman. So Radak deals with the question, where do we see that Shaul killed the Givonim? So, so he answers that, that we mentioned this before, that when he killed the city of Nobir Kohanim, among them were Givonim who were who were chopping wood for the Mishkan. So he mentioned he mentioned this idea. So Anyway, there's really there's really a lot here. We need to we could spend uh, hours uh, uh, on this. So I'm just going to read you some of the art scroll notes because because uh, I think it's a little more concise. There was a disastrous drought that lasted for three years that caused a famine in the land. 
David, whose life thought thought uh, whose life and thought process was spiritually elevated, knew without a doubt that divine blessing results from virtue and punishment follows transgression. If and if so, the drought can only be a punishment for a serious sin. His first instinct was 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 the cause must be idolatry in the land, and he instituted a thorough investigation which showed idolatry did not exist among the Jewish people. Consequently, he assumed the drought was a natural phenomenon and expected it would end with the next rainy season in the autumn. When the drought persisted for a second year, David assumed that it resulted because of sexual immorality. Again, he investigated um, he investigated and discovered that the people are not are, are not guilty of that sin. Uh, the third year, he suspected the cause was that people were not paying their pledges to charity. Again, this was discovered not to be the case. Then David was certain that the sin, or at least the failure to fulfill a responsibility, must be at this must be his. At this point, he inquired of the Oromitum. This is a Gemara in Yabamas. The above narrative indicates two things. The nation as a whole was essentially righteous and free from sin. That's an important idea. When calamity occurs, the community must investigate its conduct before seeking divine inter intervention. Freedom from sin must precede freedom from punishment. Wow, 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 wow. When so, uh, it, you know, you will never ever hear from my mouth that that I know why things happen. Because the man above does not call me. I don't have a red phone that, that he calls me on. And I, I don't have a conversation with him on the red phone. So when I get that red phone, I'll let you know. Although they say, you know, when I get the red phone, I probably won't let you know because that that those who know those who those who know don't say, and those who say don't know. So I would never tell you that. And, and but I, I I will definitely say that things don't happen for nothing. And and you know we don't we don't need we don't need to know exactly why things happen. Like we don't need. Like, like I, I'm sorry. There, there, there is, there is too much acceptance of, of things that are negative. The Torah in the Jewish community. Now, I don't know why. I don't know why that. That's what caused the suffering to happen to us. Now, I, I don't know. I'm not going to tell you. I know that. But there are problems. There are. There is. There, there is a lot of bizarre. As much as the Torah has been elevated in our generation, there are a lot of people that are trying to take it down. Jewish people. Not about the non-Jewish people. Don't worry about non-Jewish people. Let them worry. Let them worry about themselves. Uh, I'm just saying. Uh, you know, uh, you know, all, all, all the fighting in Eretz Israel before the war. You know, all the all, all the division over over the judicial review and whatever. I don't care who was right, who was wrong. It was terrible. The fact that they had five elections because they can't get their acts together. You know, it, it tells a story. What's the, what story does it tell? I don't know. I don't know. And and again, I'm again. Anyone walks away from here and said that I that I you know. That I I I I put blame on things. <laughs> you didn't listen to what I said. However, to have no reaction is also wrong. <laughs> Let us investigate our ways. Vinashuva Adashem. That's Pasuganecha. That's what you all told us. You we all told us. You was pretty clear. You know, he said he says, El El Asher Bashamayim. You all gotta read Perak Yimulanecha. It, it, it is such a telling Perak that and you know and according to the Madrash, that's actually the only Perak that was written after the Horban Mesa Mikdash. All the others were written previously as a Nevuah. But he tells this story. 
He tells you what you got to do. He says, you got to raise up your heads to Shemayim. You got to daven. You got, and then you have to daven that the enemy should be destroyed. But before he gets to that, he talks about tshuva and he talks about tefillah and he talks about, he talks about how a Jewish person is supposed to react to tragedy. You know who understood this? David Amel understood this. He understood there's something wrong. Why is it not raining? The, the, the Mishnah and Tanis, the Mishnah and Tanis talks about, you know, that, that you know, when it passed a certain date and they would have, they would have the full fast days, that they, they would take the Aron out into the center of the town. And he says the Gedolim would say, they, they would say, uh, they would say words that, that would break the people's hearts, words that would penetrate. Like you have to wake up. You have to wake up. You know, you know, I said I said I said this in Shul already, already many times. And, and you know, I, I'm looking at the people on here, you know, it doesn't really apply to them. <laughs> but because uh, they do it already. But I'm saying everyone, you know, the the Tehillim galleries. I, I love Tehillim galleries. I, I love I love people saying Tehillim. It's, it's a Gavaldi goes up. Because they they're saying the words of David Amel. David Amel, David Amel is the man who understood everything. So who knew it all? So it's Gavaldi. But, but, before you say Tehillim, and before you run to a Tehillim gathering, did you go to Shachos? Did you go to Mincha? Did you go to Marav? Ah, so, you know, we are a religion of Metsuva Viosa. First do what you're supposed to, then don't worry about what the extra things. There was a great, uh, somebody sent it to me, I don't know if it was on Instagram, he says, you know, we have a pro-Israel rally three times a day in our shul, called Shachos, Mincha, and Marav. Right. You know, uh, there's a lot to there's a lot a lot there to be said. You know, Limada Torah. You know, learning Torah. These are you know we are not in a position to help out directly. Okay, some people are able to go and volunteer. I understand. Most of us are not in that position, but we have a power in our hands. And and David Melech taught us that you can't just ignore what's going on. There has to be a spiritual reaction. There's a famine for three years. What what's going on here? Is it this? The, uh, is is the Gilearias? Is there Avoid Zora? Are people not serving Hashem properly? Must be a reaction. And if and if a person doesn't go to Minion, go to Minion. Get up early. Get out of bed and go to Shul and Davin. Go to Minka. Take your lunch break in the middle of your day and find a minion for Mincha and go and daven at it. And then say, you know, Baruch Hashem. You know, you walk into Landau's. Landau's, is the, those who don't live in Brooklyn, is the, is the minion factory. You know, there's a minion every 15 minutes. Starting from the... Every minion says three parakim up to him afterwards. Every minion. It's, 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 it, they, have the, they have it pasted on the on the tables uh, over there. They tell them to say. Right. But first they daven, first they daven with the minion. First they daven mincha, they daven marav, they daven shachros. Then they say the tell, because that comes first. There has to be a reaction, and and you know, you know, uh, I'm not saying there hasn't been. Uh, it's not fair to say there hasn't been. There's been a tremendous reaction, but is it enough? I don't know. I'm not. I'm, not, I'm certainly not going to be the one to to judge that. But these are questions, you know. These are you know. These are questions that don't need to. Now that this terrible tragedy happened, and and, and we see the world's reaction to it, and how terrible it is, we shouldn't say, "Okay, I'm going to put it in the bank, and then we'll wait till Chodesh Elul, and Chodesh Elul will think about it." 
don't work that way. The, 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 what, what the famous the famous Mishnah in Pirkei Avos says, Shuv Yom Echad Levnei Misasecha. You're supposed to do tshuva uh, what, one day before you die. So so the obvious, uh, everyone jumps on this. How does a person know when they're going to die? They don't. So so the Gemara in Shabbos has a beautiful idea. He says, therefore, the Gemara says, that I think it's like, I think somewhere around Kufnun Dal, but don't quote me on the Dal. Uh, um, the, the Gemara says, ah, I have a great idea. You have to do tshuva every day. Nimsa, so the Gemara says, kol, kol yamav tshuva. person is doing tshuva every single day. Wow. Wow, what a concept. Every day a person is looking how to grow. That's what David Amelach teaches us. That you can't ignore what's happening in the world. There's a famine that lasted three years. Oh my God, what's going on here? What's wrong? We need to think about this more. And when I say we, I, I, I don't mean just us here. I mean the extended, uh, uh, particularly the front community. Look how many people started keeping Shabbos after because because of things that happened during this uh, the, this attack. Look at how many you know, uh, unbelievable. You know the stories is are just unbelievable. They go on and on, you know. I I, I say a little bit tongue in cheek that Rabbi Yoel Gold and Rabbi Pesach Korn are gonna have a are gonna write volumes of, of stories a, after this is all over. But the stories are true. You know, you know, you know, I, I put I said this in Shul a couple weeks ago. These aren't these aren't stories in a Rabbi Chrome book. These are stories that are happening in front of us. You know, you know, you know, I, I mentioned a couple of weeks ago that uh, you know, there was a whole battalion that was saved from an attack. Um um, and 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 I said, wow! I, this, was, this was my insight. It, it was exactly at the time that all the shuls on the eastern seaboard were davening minchamara. So you imagine that that, that we were davening minchamara, and our tefillos went up to Shemayim, and Hakadosh Baruch Hu protected the soldiers. Can't make up the story. You know, it's, a, it's it's a fact that now again, do I know what a Kodesh, how a Kodesh Baruch Hu operates? No. But it, it is a fact that this story happened when the entire eastern seaboard is Davani Minchomara. You know? Okay. So, so, sorry to go off on a little bit of a tangent, but but uh, the words of David Amelech uh, are very clear to me. Okay. Let's let us let us go on. Anyway. Uh, according to the plain meaning of Hashem's reply, he told David that the famine was a punishment for sin that Shaul had committed many years before. He had killed the, the Givonites. The Givon were part of the Amorites, one of the seven Canaanite inhabitants of Eretz Israel. Rather than make peace with Yoshua, leave, leave, leave the country or fight or be killed, the Givonites distinguished themselves as people from a far-off land who had, who had come to convert to Judaism. Believing them, Yeshua and the Israelites showed them greater hospitality and swore and swore to accept and protect them. Since the oath had been obtained under false pretenses, it was legally not valid. Nevertheless, when the duplicity of the Gibeonites were uncovered, Yeshua insisted that the oath be honored because it would have been a, a desecration of Hashem's name were the oath not to be honored. However, Yeshua assigned them to woodchoppers and woodrawers for the Mishkan. The Gemara interprets Hashem's reply to consist of two reasons as follows. Despite his shortcomings, Shaul was a great and righteous man, and the nation had not warned him sufficiently. We talked about this before. Um, uh, now, and that David's... Right? And and the second reason for Hashem's anger was the fact that Shaul had killed Gibbonites. 
Uh, nowhere does the, the Pusik state that Shaul killed them, but the sages offer two explanations of what he did. Since the Gibbonites were condemned by Yeshua to perpetual servitude to the house, uh, so they were together with, with, with the Kohan. That's what, we, that's what we, said, we said before. So anyway, so this is just uh, just some of the things that are, are going on here. Okay, there's a lot more to say here, but I, I think we're going to get bogged down with this. So so let me let, let's 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 do from some subject. Okay, anyway, regardless, point is that 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 the famine happened for a reason. Okay, by Gibonim. So the king called the Gibonim. This is a very bizarre story, by the way. He said to them, Gibonim, He said to them, the Gibonites uh were not of Bnei Israel, meaning meaning they're not part of the Jewish people. Hema, Kimi Imi Yesra Amori. Uvnei Israel Nishbuulahem, and Bnei Israel swore to them, Vayvakesha Ola Hakosam, but Shaul tried to strike them down. Vikano sold Bnei Israel Yehuda, in his zeal for the children of Israel and Yehuda. Vayomet David Al Givanim, Ma Eselachan. He said, he said, again, it's a very strange story. David sent a word to the Givonim, and he said, what can I do for you? What can I do for you? How can I atone for the sin so that you will bless the heritage of Hashem? Uh, David says, it was the words of uh, supplication. To, to, that there should be a forgiveness uh, to B'nai Yisrael. So that, so that, uh, uh, in other words, if if what we did was was a bad thing, and that's standing over us, so so we want to we want to remedy the situation and figure out how you know how how, how good things uh you know how we could turn it to good. Uh, so so the, you know again so there was some attempt to um you know to figure out you know what what to do here um the night said we have no claim of silver or gold against Shaul, or nor against his house. Um, he says, he said, and we have no innocent man in Israel to put to death. So he said to them, whatever you say, I will do for you. Oh, yeah. This is a hard story. They said to the king, the man who annihilated us and who schemed against us, um, uh, he said they, they will be eliminated from remaining within the entire uh, boundary of, of Israel. So he, they said, he said that the, the justice of the man who tried to eradicate us he says, the man who tried to eradicate us, the man who tried to, to destroy us, he said, and that forced us to kind of uh, flee. 
יותן לנו שבעה אנשים מבניו, והוקיענום להשם וגבעה שאול וחיר השם, ויאמר המלך אני אתן. Now, I, I don't really understand this, but they said that we want seven uh, descendants of Shaul. Mishpat avoylo, sheyitain lano shiva anashem ibanav, nefesh tachas nefesh. Ki shiva anashem arag Shaul meagivonim, kein amur rabusen. So the Shaul killed seven givonim. So now they want, uh, they want seven of his descendants to, to be given over to them. Right, so the Gibbonites asked for seven descendants of Shaul whom they would hang publicly. This would show the entire nation that harassment of the Gibbonim would not be tolerated. If seven princes were executed because of what Shaul had done to, uh, to a despised minority, surely much such behavior would not be tolerated done to commoners. Why the number seven? Apparently because Shaul had killed seven Gibbonites. Saad Yagon explains that the Gibbonites identified seven people who were involved in the killing. But Radak shows that the seven victims were either young children or yet unborn in Shoal's time. Abarbanel writes that the seven Gibbonites were killed through Shoal, so the Gibbonites wanted the same number executed. Malbin comments that the Gibbonites wanted all the offspring of Shoal who numbered eight, including Yonatan's son, Mephibosheth, but they did not demand the right to kill Mephibosheth because they knew that Yonatan, an ally of David, was, was not involved in the massacre of Noah. We may also assume that the Gibbonites knew that David would never surrender Mephibosheth, whom he had sworn to protect. So, 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 so think about what's going on here. You have very, very serious uh, allegations going on here, and you have very, very serious requests. I, I you know, I, I it's hard to understand you know, exactly. Uh, all right. So again, the Musudat David says that 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 that. After the story in the time of Yeshua, it says that the that 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 even though when they realized that it was a false oath, that they wanted to um they wanted to um no they want the Yeshua wanted to renege on the Shvua, but in the end they promised to protect them. So when when Shaul uh, had killed the the seven Givona, whatever you know, whatever the number was, so so that was a, a severe violation and a promise. That that apparently existed for a long time. Ki Yisrael Hashem It says that they they swore in Hashem's name that they're going to keep them alive. Uba Shaul velvaral Ashvua, and Shaul came um, and uh, uh, and and violated the Shvua. So they wanted to take them to Givat Shaul. Makom Ir Malchuso was the place of it, where his kingdom. Leman Yedu Akol Hashem Banavim. It's the chosen area of Hashem. So again, again, so the king said he's going to give them up. I mean, to me, it raises a lot of uh, ethical questions here, but okay. But we spoke a little bit about that last week when we spoke about whether it was whether it was permitted to give over Sheva ben Bichri to to Yoav's army. So Vayomer Vayachmol Amelech on Mephibosheth Ben Yonasan Ben Shaul said the king had most mercy on Mephibosheth Al Shavuas Hashem Hashem Ben Asam Ben David Ben Yonasan Ben Shaul also in the fact that David had an oath um, that he had made with Yonatan that he will protect his descendants. So 
Because he was the son of Yonatan, there should be compassion for him. Because Yonatan never wanted to kill the Gibbon. So, so here you had this problem. Now, so, so the king took the two sons of Ritzpah, the daughter of Allah, whom she bore to Shaul. There's Armoni, that's Mephiboshes, and he took Armoni and Mephiboshes. There's Chameshes, B'nai Michal, Bashaul. And the five sons of Michal Basha'u, Asher Yalda le Adriel ben Barzilai Hamacholasi. So, right now, um, the note points out that this is not the same Mephibosheth as 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 we just described that David Amalek was going to protect. So, so he gave all these people over to them. So he delivered them to the hand and, and they and they hanged them on the mountain before Hashem. Uh, um, and, and all seven of them fell together. They were put to death during the first days of the harvest. Right. So now why that's important. According to the Medrash, the exact date was Nisan 16, the second day of Pesach which is a small amount of barley, is harvested for the Omer offering. Right. It says, the beginning of the harvest season with little in the field to reap brought home the severity of the three-year drought and prompted David to inquire of Hashem. Immediately addressed the causes of, of, of the calamity. So here you have... Um, anyway, so this is what was going on here. Right, so he says that's that's why the, the, the Navi emphasizes to us it was the harvest season, because in the harvest season it became m- most clear that they have nothing. So it was bad. Right. Uh Rashi seems to indicate that these children were not the children of Michal, but they were children of Merav. And it says because Michal was married to David, right? So it says that she raised them, so so it's called uh, uh, on, on her name. Anyway, this is what happened. And says that Ritzpah, the daughter of Allah, took a sackcloth, and she spread it, it for herself, over a rock, from the beginning of the harvest, until water fell down on them, i.e. the corpses, from heaven, and, and she did not allow the birds of the heaven to descend upon them during the day, nor the beasts of the field during the night. So basically, what she did was uh, they they hung them, um, and um, and she didn't let the the birds or the animals um, attack them. Right, 
So interesting thing happening. It says that David did an interment of, of the bodies of Shoal and Yonatan. So so we mentioned at the beginning of the of the Sefer that, that after the war, um the 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 the, the, the people of Yavesh Gilad, who Shoal had protected from Amma when Amma wanted to take out their eye and Shoal acted. So they had a great Akharasato for Shoal. So it says that that they 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 stole Shoal's body so so it wouldn't be mutilated. And it seems like Yonatan as well. So and they and they buried it. Now it says that David came and took them. Um and now he buried them appropriately in the in the in the in the in their in their share, Kishavivela and it says, and it says, and and Hashem was responsive to the prayers of the land after that. So David points out, says that it says that it was the it was the 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 the, the bones of that 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 was were buried. Cover us asmos Yosef. So it says that David at this point gave a hesped for Shaul. So what happened? So David went and did the hesped. David took care of the Givonim and it started to rain. So David was able to to accomplish um, all of these, all of these things, and to kind of fix uh, what some of the problems were. Okay, I, I see I'm, I'm out of time here. Uh, there's more to talk about here. Exactly, it's a very hard story to understand. Um, why was it okay to give over their bodies? Uh, that's something you have to figure out. Um, how did David realize that they weren't Maspit Karoy? You know, th- that was a question. Um, um, there are interesting halachas. The, the last halacha in Yoridea talks about what's called likud at samos. That when you uh, when you when you um, take a body from one kvura to another kvura, so the shemarak says it's supposed to act, you actually said shiva for a day. There's a little bit of shiva. There's a if it's a parent. There's a whole there's a whole discussion. And we'll talk a little bit about this next week. Uh, but oh, not next week. But anyway, it's just interesting that some of these things that David realized and David tried to correct. And, and in the end, it started to rain. Okay, okay. All right, we're, we're going to stop here. Thank you all for coming on. Uh, tomorrow night, uh, I will. The, those that are not on the local network, I will send a link to Moshe Friedlander. Um, there will be a special share at my mother-in-law's yard site tomorrow night. Um, and uh, there will be a special share of Binyane Hanukkah. What about Hanukkah? You have to come tomorrow night and find out. Uh, I will figure that out over the next 24 hours. Um, the, um, the uh, okay, and, and Mr. Shem, in two weeks from tonight, um, if anyone wants to take the trip to Brooklyn, it's a, it's, a, it's going to be a very worthwhile evening in our shul. That will also be 8 p.m. Uh, along this network. So um, so please uh, make a note of that. Uh, I think it'll be a great night. Um, I can't tell you from broadcasting it. I, I don't know yet. I have to ask her permission also if she wants that. So so, so it's a little more complicated. Okay. Uh, have a great week. Well, most importantly, Freyla and Hanukkah. Uh, Hanukkah is so much about so much about 
the Chanukah is on Mizbeah. Chanukah is the word Chinuch. Chinuch is about education. We have to educate our children that Chanukah is not about donuts and latkes. Chanukah is and, and gifts. Chanukah is about is about Torah, and that, that that everyone should make an effort to spend as the candles of, are being lit. You should sit down and learn Torah with your children, and and show them that that this is what the this is what people gave up their lives to preserve. Um, not only the, the not only the Hashmanayim, but but uh, people like Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai, Rabbi Akiva, and and so many others like them. Okay, we'll stop here because if I start with that, okay, I can go on for another hour, and I don't want to do that because I know you guys are probably tired. Anyway, have a great uh, have a great Freil Hanukkah. I will see you in Miss Hashem on the following weekend. I think it's December twenty sixth. I want to say twenty fourth. Twenty fourth. Twenty fourth. Okay, we'll be back next on the air. There's no shir? Next week there'll be no share. I think people are going to be at Hanukkah parties. Uh-huh. So, so uh, unless you tell me otherwise, I mean, uh, I, you know, I don't know where we're going to be, so I don't, I don't, I don't want to make a commitment because uh, somehow in my house things come up at the last second. So let's let's leave it open. I think people do have Hanukkah parties on Sunday, and uh, and then the following week we'll be in the shul. Okay, take care, everybody.